Greetings. Welcome back to another episode of Well, Why Not? Today's episode is part of the series that I started last season, um, intended to kind of give a a framework or a step-by-step guide to expatriation and, and what are some things you could do to just explore the option if you're not sure um, and just learn more about the process as a whole. So let's jump right in. So I know for some people, traveling is is something that is very much a part of their life. And they do it all the time, they love it, and they probably feel like they could live anywhere that they visit on, on a vacation. Um, but that is a very dangerous way to choose a new home. And so I thought a lot about what what somebody could do when visiting a place and first off i think if you are visiting a place with the intent of uh living there and making it your new home it shouldn't be done in a vacation format and i can get a little bit more into that with the the tips that i have here but it it should be a little bit more deliberate i think you should go to the place with um, the intent of living there and seeing it through that lens because i do believe that Anything that you're doing that you know is temporary um, and has an, an end date, there's a different feel to it, and you're going you're going to see things in a different light. If you're if you're going with the with the idea of could I do this forever, and even you know, and and forever is is a strong word. Could I do this for a few years? Could I do this for a year? I think a year is is way too short a time to not to live somewhere i have done it i've lived somewhere for a year but i do feel like the place that i did live for only a year france um i only knew so much as much as i felt very comfortable and very in the know i mean i lived you know a a full year so the four seasons and you get you do get a good glimpse but i definitely don't feel like i know or knew as much as i do about places that i've lived for two plus years so one of the first tips that i i have um when you are going to this potential new home (laughs) and um I, i don't know how else to phrase it i do feel that I, you know, there are places that we always will feel are that are home to us, but you can also have temporary other homes um, in the course of your life, especially if you expatriate. So um, I'd say the first thing or the first tip is to arrive with respectful curiosity. Um, I, I think this applies a lot to Americans just because culturally we are very curious people. We ask a lot of questions and so i think it's also important to be mindful of what 
is considered disrespect. <laughs> there is there is a level of curiosity that is offensive to other cultures. So as much as you can, I know that is it's somewhat nuanced and it's hard to you know look up or Google that and find out okay what level of curiosity is offensive to Argentinians, you know. Um, but maybe if you do know other people or other locals who are in your city or maybe you you know even online now you know reach out to somebody um a local <laughs> online several you know i i think there's sometimes there's a lot of pressure put on on people i i, I get this all the time like when somebody has a question specific to haiti and i feel like who am i to speak for all haitians so i'm i'm um very careful to to mention like this is my own experience from my own upbringing within my own family um and that just just to let people know like i cannot speak for all all haitians so again it's a good idea if you can reach out to several locals and just you know potentially if possible have that conversation and say hey i'm thinking about visiting and i wanted to get some insight about the culture and and then try to kind of gauge what you can and cannot ask. Um, another thing I think about having a respectful um, curiosity or level of curiosity is the way that we phrase our questions. Um, again, there are sometimes clear lines of you do not ask certain questions. For instance, um, asking somebody, definitely asking somebody how much money they make. Like that's, I think, almost universal. Um, it's not something that you you should ask a stranger or somebody that you are getting to know. But you know what's funny, even asking, and I, I feel like I've mentioned this on previous episodes too, asking somebody what they do for a living is is odd to to a lot of cultures outside of the US. And I have been in in settings outside of the US where an American comes and then is speaking sometimes to another American, but sometimes to a local. And like question about I was like, what's your name? oh cool are you from here or where do you live and then it's what do you do and i've seen i've even seen americans who are who are pretty well traveled get a little put off by that it's like why does what does that have to do with anything and and i definitely understand that in the u.s your your profession is closely tied to a lot of other things like people connect your profession to your social class um your your and your interests potentially um yeah they, they they i think we we think we can read a lot into a person by their line of work and that's just not the case um <laughs> in other places especially in latin america it's it, your work is just your work you don't live to work you work to live so i could have some random job and um it has nothing to do with my personality or my interests or anything about me as a person. So, um, so yeah, again, those questions that really just have no place. But I do think sometimes <laughs> we we our questions can also take a critical tone. Um, and I'm going to give some examples. So one is you know people there the whole the question of punctuality, right? Um, again, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings, and I'm sure I've said it before on previous episodes about how um, Americans have watches and the rest of the world has time. So th I've often heard people complain, com people, um, Americans, Canadians, um, I don't know, Europeans to some extent, depending on where they're from, like the, the Nordic countries, yes. Um, but 
I don't know. I feel like, you know, <laughs> the Spanish can, can be very flexible with punctuality as well. But asking a question like, why is everybody always late? Um, is it has a critical tone. And I, since I hear it so often, I think a better way to ask is, is there a lot of traffic here? Like, is that, you know, it, it in, in it, yes, it is true. <laughs> People do not, if you have, uh, you know, a meeting or, um, or anything or an event and it, you know, for a certain time, you could sort of tack on like a good hour to that time as to when people will really be arriving. And it, there's a lot of factors. So I think it's more helpful to determine what those factors are. Um, because I think once you understand that, then you just learn to adjust. You're not going to change a culture. You're not going to get people to get on your clock. But um, if you know, oh, well, there's a lot of traffic, then I need to plan ahead. I need, or um, I, I can expect, especially certain days of the week, that people will be a little later than usual because <laughs> they will be late. And I think it's just also accepting the time that you give as like a start time is more of like a suggestion <laughs> because um, people just don't see time the same way. I don't know how to explain it. And it took me a while. Of course, you know, initially it was frustrating for me as well. But then once I started understanding those factors or um, someone, maybe they're coming from work and um, then they're waiting for a colleague or they're waiting for somebody to give them a ride. Not everybody has their own uh, transportation, you know, and in, in, um, public transportation is relied upon a lot. And that's not at all like clockwork. <laughs> it's not like the, you know, New York Metro. Actually, even even that, you know, there's always there's always I always hear complaints about, you know, the New York subway or um, but just think about it that and, and then, you know, add on 50 other things. It just it's it's a little bit chaotic. So anyway, all that to say that it is just better to approach these questions um with with um, a bit of inquisitiveness, <laughs> if that's a word, but instead of instead of um, being critical and and coming off as um, you know you don't like or you don't agree with what is. Another example is <laughs> this is this is specific to Ecuador because they do eat guinea pig um, called cuy, and it is a very traditional dish, especially amongst. Um, indigenous communities and and in rural areas so you know seeing that question of like why do they eat guinea pig um because and i totally understand it also coming from an american because it's considered a pet um in american culture and uh, again a better way to ask about people eating guinea pig would be is this dish traditional to your culture and and then finding out more about that like okay how did that come to be and why and what is this linked to and i i assure you it's a very interesting story it's a very um complex <laughs> i mean if you get somebody who actually knows who knows the history of it um but again it's not to say that you will then start eating giddy pig or you will think that it's the greatest thing because you you get an explanation of um, where it originated from, but 
it's just a better way to find out more. And, and that's what that's my point um, in how we we go about understanding other cultures or other communities. And it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to come off with a tone of judgment. Um, and then last example, and this is another one that I often hear amongst expats is, you know, why are people so loud at night? So yes, uh, there is a very lively, especially like Thursday through Saturday there. I mean, people, there are a lot of festivities. So depending on where you live, um, you know, especially if you're living in a city, I think actually in some of the rural areas, probably worse because the homes, you know, the acoustics, are, they're not like buildings or anything. And if, you know, your neighbor is having a party, it will feel like you are attending that party because the music is so loud. And I think there's, yeah, that is that is a, a, a big difference. Like we have like noise complaints and um, like there's, there's almost, there's laws in certain cities in the U.S. about the level of noise. And yeah, I have, if there is, if there, if that exists in Latin America, it is not at all observed. People are, um, I, I don't even want to say allowed because <laughs> they don't ask for permission. It just is, you know, it is very much a part of the culture that, um, that you, you have a party or you have, you know, loud music and you hang out with your friends, uh, just starting Thursday, <laughs> not to say Thursday is the start of the weekend, but it, it it's it sort of is. Um, and instead of asking, you know, that type of like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe how loud people are at night. Why are they so loud at night? Um, I think a better question or a better way to phrase that is, is the nightlife this active all year round? <laughs> because especially if it's a place that you're considering um, moving to and making your new home, you, you want to know like, it, it, am I going to be able to sleep through parties three days a week potentially? And sometimes it's just seasonal. Sometimes, you know, it, by asking that, is the nightlife this active um, all the time, then you can get a sense of, oh, no, this is, you know, um, November through through December, it's for the fest, for the holidays. Or in the summer, it's only around this time. Or you may get a yes. <laughs> like, this is just a, a lively area, and, and it's pretty loud. I've, I've actually um, seen people have to move um, because of the noise and and also there's you know just latent like city like noises like honking and um you know people talking uh that just it, it you know noise rises and again it's it's best to ask in a way that it, again is not not is not judgmental and will also get you the relevant information to making your decision um Another thing I just wanted to mention when you're asking questions, I often hear people, you know, start almost like an interview, you know, with a with a random local. And as the local and you find, you know, many of them are very kind and open to answering questions. But what frustrates me is sometimes as they start answering those questions that the response will be like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> okay hmm <laughs> and I I just to me it just sounds so disingenuous it sounds like it really isn't interesting it's just you you have this boilerplate answer to anything that you don't quite understand or that you don't really really care about and I always think oh wouldn't it be 
nicer <laughs> to say something like, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with me. And then if appropriate, and if you have, you know, if the person is still willing to share, I'd like to hear more about that. I just think there are ways that also we can go into situations where you want to learn more because it's always, I don't know, I always feel like it is somewhat of a, a take situation. You're not giving much. You're not, you know, you're extracting and what are you providing in return? Um, and this, and also the more, I think that's in the, another piece of it, even if the person is not necessarily asking you questions as well, but sharing a little bit. Um, and then I say all this, all these tips about asking questions, if at all possible, I think it's always best to ask it in the local, ask them in the local language. Even if you just are, are learning, um, if you have to practice, you know, how to say it now, the, you know, the risk of that is that you're getting the answers and you're not going to fully understand them. But I just think that people appreciate the attempt. And then, you know, if they are, and if you're, you know, obviously if you're, if you really cannot or do not understand, finding somebody who is bilingual is, is also a good option, but it still applies where even if the person is bilingual and, um, and sharing all of this with you, like for you to share a little bit about yourself too. I just, I don't know. I think it makes us <laughs> better humans and and, um, and and makes the interaction a lot richer. The other, the next tip that I have about um, identifying a potential new home is to just spend time observing. Um, I know, you know, going to a new place, I'm the same way. You wanna see everything, you wanna do everything, you wanna experience everything it has to offer. But you also have to keep in mind living somewhere, you're probably not going to be doing those things. Um, I've gone to visit, even in the U.S., you know, you go to visit new cities and you do all the quote unquote touristy things. I do this often when I go to L.A. And I know that that's not daily life. I know that. And for some reason, (laughs) sometimes when people go visit um, other countries, especially, they, they do all those touristy things. But. They, they equate that to daily life and think, oh, I could totally live here. This place is awesome. Um, no, I'd say try to observe spaces that you would most likely frequent. So if you're a person that likes to go to a cafe, then spend a lot of time in those places. If you're a person that knows that you're you're going to be a homebody, um, you know, spend time wherever you're staying temporarily, spend time indoors. And especially if you're trying to get a feel for a neighborhood and and thinking, oh, I could probably, if I'm gonna live here, this is where, this is the area I'd like to live. Be, be at home, <laughs> be, you know, if, whether it's, and then obviously in those cases, it's, it's best if you could um, get an Airbnb to give you the, like the most, um authentic feeling of home versus a hotel because they they usually do a pretty good job with their soundproofing and you again you may not get a good feel for what the noise is like and um what kind of activities and and what the day like during the day could you sit at home if that's what your preference is and read um if you like to be outdoors and hiking do that you know so again it's it's the idea is to mimic what your real life would be. Do not assume that um, you have what you most prefer to do currently is going to drastically change in a new place. I think that's that's a myth. Sometimes people think I only like to do these things because I live here. No, you like to do those things because you like to do those things. So you it may it may um, they may get adjusted a little bit. They may adapt 
into the new environment, but most likely you'll consider doing those things that you enjoy doing, which is great. That's, I mean, there, there, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. And maybe you do, um, you, you didn't like to be outdoors a lot because of the climate you lived in and now you're in better weather and you, you go outdoors a little more. That is a possibility as well. But I just, I think sometimes people think that they're gonna have this brand new um, life doing very different things and having very different passions just because they've no just because the geography has changed and I I find that more often than not that's not true um you know so again there's a lot of uh, expats who will leave cities because they realize the traffic was too loud well if you had to spent time <laughs> in the city um and and you know do again doing the things you like doing most which if if you like being in your home um or even maybe if you, even if you like being in a park and the park is surrounded by you know major avenues or something like that then it it may not be something that you enjoy doing as much as on the surface it 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 sounds like you would like to to do it but i think just living in those spaces and and observing and and doing it not necessarily to enjoy all the newness but also with the eye of i'm gonna observe this and see if it's something that i would really really like um, every day not just for a couple weeks and then my last piece of advice is to talk to like-minded individuals and like bold like-minded because I find, again, sometimes when when expats or, or tourists, they get into the, the journalist mode and they want to talk to locals and find out what they like and don't like, they're, it's fine, it's great, it's helpful, but is does that person have a similar lifestyle? So if you're a retired expat or if you're looking to be a retired expat, talking to a backpacker is not going to be um, very helpful to you or talking to somebody who's in university if you know you're speaking or speaking to somebody who loves hiking or who loves the outdoors when you you like museums and you like to go to art galleries it's just not helpful um i think it's information but as it relates to whether this place would be a good fit for you, that's where it's not helpful. I'm not saying not to do it. I, I like to talk to random people. I like to know different perspectives, but I also filter that information knowing that this person has a very different lifestyle than me. Than me. So maybe they like something or they, they recommend something. And I know off the bat, it's, it's not a good recommendation for me and my lifestyle. Um, and you know, same goes for like a if you're gonna be a if if you're a young family, you know, with small children, it's not helpful to ask and a retired expat like, what's it like here? Do you like doing this? Do you th-? it's you know, I just think to really uh, get uh, information that could help you make your decision and make an informed decision it's it's best to find people just with just a similar obviously we're all different and we have we have different interests but it's all it's all lifestyle related right so again if i'm i'm gonna need to if i'm a young family i'm gonna need to know about good schools i'm gonna i'm gonna be looking for very different things than somebody who is retired and you know has a lot of free time and doesn't necessarily need to look at school quality or activities for young children so um those are my my top three tips in finding a potential new home and if if you are privileged enough and have the opportunity to 
visit several places because I think also the the danger is you know you get to one place and you think you love it but you don't compare it and again sometimes you don't have that opportunity you don't have the resources to do that but I just I believe that that helps you make a better decision because you do have like a baseline or you have something that you can or several you know options that you can consider and 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 do the pros and cons for all the options and I think in the end you'll feel better we always know there's a risk you may not like where you think you're gonna like but you know you've done your due diligence and looked at all the different um, aspects and, and points that will improve, hopefully, the quality of your life and make you a happier person. All right, so that's it for this episode. Let me know if you have any questions. Thanks for tuning in. Till the next time, be well.